spot. You know, when Jesus went to the grave of Lazarus, he, he wept. Why did he do that? He knew he was going to raise him. He told his disciples long before he got there, we go to wake him up. He knew exactly what he was going to do. But because he's Emmanuel, God with us, he entered into them and he grieved with them. And he shared their hurt. And that's how he is with us. He shares everything with us. He, he tastes our tears. He shares our joys, you know. We're in union with this God. This is the God we serve. And so I just wanted to encourage everybody, uh, you know, over this holiday season to just to really to meditate on that, you know, that God is, is, is with you, you know, going through things with you and alongside you in difficult times and all of that. So, uh, so I, I, I've been really excited to speak today. There's, there's so much I want to say. Sometimes I get, I start getting a little excited. I just really want to try to get through it all today, but, uh, you know, God is so good. I've been thinking a lot about, like, filters, you know, how, how we see things. And, you know, like, what, what filter do we have on? How do we perceive things? You know, sometimes if someone, if you say, uh, well, that person loves cats. Well, another person with a filter says, well, they hate dogs, you know? Or, uh, you know, or someone stands up and, like, they, they share something that God did so good for them. And you're sitting there and say, well, that can't happen to me. You know, or, the, or the, these filters that we kind of see things with. And I, that's, that, that's everything. That's everything, the way, how we perceive things is the filter that we have on. Do we think, do we have some orphan thinking where the goodness of God becomes uh, that could never happen to me or, uh, uh, you know, whatever, or God doesn't care or he's separate or whatever filters that we, we see things. And I think this is very important to how we perceive God, you know, uh, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. We, so Jesus is the Word. In the beginning was the Word. Jesus is the logic of God. He is the logo, Logos. And so I, I, I think it's very important uh, to just really see things through a Christ-centered lens and everything else. The Bible actually starts to make sense. And Le- I could actually get whacked reading Leviticus because I see Jesus on every page of it. I actually enjoy it. I used to skip right over it. It's, it's, I love it now. It's awesome. It's a great book. And we're going to talk about some stuff from Leviticus today. But uh, So anyways, I, I think it's uh, uh, very important to see from that lens. And uh, so anyways, uh, I always go back. You know, uh, I love the Old Testament. You know, what God was doing in the Old Testament, I'm starting to really see with a lot of clarity. You know, like uh, Israel. He used Israel with all of their laws and, and, and rituals and uh, the Levitical priesthood. He was, he was basically giving us furniture in our minds, in, in the human mind, to even comprehend what incarnation is or atonement or reconciliation. I mean, if Jesus just showed up one day, we wouldn't even know what to do with that, you know, or how to make sense out of it. So I always like uh, to go back to the very beginning and even before the foundations were laid. And who, who is this God that we serve? And I, and I always like to start here. So uh, if, if a couple people don't mind, I'm going to actually ask some people to come up. If I could have uh, three people and then eventually two more. But uh, if, if three people could volunteer to come up. All right, great. All right. Who, who aren't afraid to hold hands for a little while? Okay. <laughs> So if, so if you guys could just kind of stand in a circle holding hands. Each of you. 
So, <laughs> so this, this is what we have here. You know what? It, it said, uh, uh, let us create man in our image. Elohim, the Lord our gods. Elohim, plural, is one God. And our God is Trinity, which means from the very beginning, he's, he's other-centered. He's other-giving love, right? Uh, it says that the Trinity, they stand cross face-to-face with each other. And the Son only testifies of the Father. And the Father says, my beloved Son. And the Spirit testifies of the Son. And they're in this other-giving love that is, is just so beautiful, the dance of the Trinity, how perfect this love is. And we were created for this. Out of this, this is the womb of creation that wanted to just create and, and, and bind itself. Emmanuel, God with us, yeah? Wanted to create, to, to share this. They, they, he, God was never an isolated monad, just like up out in space by himself to where he had no relationship or whatsoever. He really didn't need us. He desired us. He wanted us. He wanted to share this with, with, with his creation. And so what he decided to do, this was before, eternally, but when he decided to create, he made man and woman, in our, let us make man and women in our image, Right? Uh, so if I could have uh, a man and a woman come up. Right. So man and woman, if you guys could let, allow them and then make the circle around them. <laughs> man and woman were made in the garden of pleasure. Eden means pleasure. Yeah. And so man and woman were made right in the middle of this dance of the Trinity. And they were naked and they were unashamed. You know, there was no list. There was no to-do list, like Rifle said before. There wasn't any embarrassment. There was no condemnation. <laughs> they, they were in this dance, this, this dance of the Trinity, and it said that they were naked and they were not ashamed. They lived, uh, like, uh, in the uh, first chapter of John, John tries to capture this. Right? With humanity. He says that this is living in light. Okay? In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God. Pros is the word. Face to face with God. Without any embarrassment, without any to-do list, without any condemnation. Made in his image. In his likeness. (laughs) Eventually that happens too. So, you know, they're living in this, they're living in this beautiful dance and the earth is responding to them. The river Pashan is spitting out gold. It's yielding gold. The earth is responding to them. And it's, they're living in this, this, this flow. It actually says that uh, God walked uh, with Adam in the cool of the day. The word uh, cool, it means ruach, his spirit, his breath. They walked in the spirit. They were, they were in this, this dance with the Trinity and they walked with God. With, again, that same word, im, in union, in completeness, in the cool of the day. And then something happened. The serpent came. And he, he spoke to Eve. And he said that, you know, just to paraphrase, uh, you know, did God really, did God, is, is he really that, like that? Did he really say that? If you, if you do this, really, if you think about it, if you do this, you'll become what you already are. And what he does is he takes humanity. 
you guys can come out here. And he, and he puts them outside of this. And the Trinity is still there. And this, and this is what we have here on the, on the pamphlet. And you who were once alienated and enemies in your mind, in your mind, we made God an enemy in our minds. We, it wasn't, he, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the serpent lied to humanity, and they put them outside of this circle. And basically where it's like, you have to do. They started living from the do-it-yourself tree. The I am not tree. Right? And that they would have to, through their independence, through their now living existence, without Mr. Existence. Yeah? And try to climb back into this. And try to do, and try to cross this bridge themselves to get back into this. And that was all in their own minds. The, the fruit was e- eating of the... That was the fruit. That wasn't the root of sin. They fell in their minds first, yeah? They, re- they, they believed the lie, the father of lies, that I am not. So I need to do in order to become. And I'm separate. And, you know, and what immediately happens, the earth turns away. It stops responding. It turns away from man. And now that by the sweat of your brow, by the toil of your own labor, you will try to live independently in your own strength from the I am not and from the do-it-yourself tree. And that's the state that we find humanity in. Thanks, y'all. Y'all can now have a seat. Thank you. (laughs) So we see see humanity in this state. (laughs) We see humanity separated from God. And, and, you know... it's interesting. Again, what is the filter that you see from that God, God's our enemy sometimes, right? Oh, God's our enemy. We, we, you know, we did this and he's, no, it says, what's your filter? It says right there that we made him enemies in our own mind. But, yeah, but our sins separated us from God. doesn't say that. Your sins have separated you from God. You have, we have been the ones like Adam running and hiding in the bushes and living in our own alienation. John calls that living in darkness, when he compares the two, if you ever look, he, he distinguishes between the deeds and between the light and darkness. He says those who love, are, or those, uh, who love darkness, they love it because their deeds are evil. But those who love light, they do truth because they realize that everything they've ever done has been wrought in God. They see that. They see that what it means to be in light is to live in that, in that dance with the Trinity without any condemnation, without any guilt. And they see that everything that, that they've done have been wrought in God. And so, you know, so we, again, the, the, I used to have a very, I said some pretty bad filters, uh, really bad ways of looking at God. And, you know, and, and again, it's, you know, it's a lot of it is just things that we were taught. You know, I mean, some of us who were raised a certain way, we, we, we project that filter onto who God is. Maybe it, what we had a difficult father, or, you know, whatever it is, and we take that and we project it. Or a, 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 we were abandoned, so God can abandon us, you know? And that's exactly what Adam did. You know, God says, Adam, where are you? You know? Why are you outside there in your mind? Where are you in relationship to me? And Adam says, look, I, I, I heard your voice in the cool of the day. He was always hearing his voice, but now all of a sudden, since he's eaten the fruit, he's hearing the voice differently. The same voice, same love, same God, but accusing. Where does he get that from? He doesn't know God's ever been angry. He has no concept of that. But what, what that, that's what we do is we take our own guilt 
and what we do on the inside. And all of a sudden, Adam kind of takes that, that hurt, that pain, and he looks up at God and he paints a whole different face. God's angry. God accuses because of the way he felt. And I live like this as a Christian. I, I share this a lot. A lot of you have heard my testimony for 15 or so years. I lived looking at God that way. And it, and it was a pagan God. It was, it was more equivalent to Janus. You know, Janus, the Roman God, was two-faced. You know, he has two faces. They, pour, they picture him in statues. Well, he's mercy, but then he's, you know, justice. And he's this, and then he's that. And he's, you know, this kind of two-faced God who can switch on you like a dime. That's a lot of the way that we project who God is, where the Bible says that God is love. It doesn't say that he loves. It said that he is love. So we need to start looking at that through a Christ filter so we start seeing that everything that he does is an extension of that love because that's who he is in his very being. He's that trinity right from the beginning, that other giving love that wants to bind himself to humanity. He wasn't taken back by Adam's sin. Jesus wasn't a tourniquet, a quick tourniquet to stop the Adamic bleed. No, he, he, was, uh, he, was, oh, he, he was slain before the foundations of the earth. We were chosen in him before the foundations of the earth. It was always his plan. He wasn't taken back like that. He's not afraid of sin. Okay, he became sin for us, that we could become the righteousness of God. So we kind of like, how do we, uh, speaking on reconciliation, so we, you see that word here. What's, what's our concept of atonement? Well, it's, again, it's, we need a blood sacrifice. This used to sound crazy to me. You know, like, God needs to, like, see all this, like, even, even before Jesus, even before his son, he's got to see all of the thousands of animals slaughtered to be appeased. And, and you know, what? okay, what filter do we see? We're going to address that, starting with Abraham, right? So, does anybody know what city Abraham was from? Ur. Where's Ur from? What, what region? Okay, uh, well, you guys are even more specific than I was getting. Mesopotamia. <laughs> I teach world history one, so I, I love this stuff, all, all this history. But Abraham was a Mesopotamian. You know what Mesopotamians used to do for, uh, to appease their 3,000 gods they worship? Child sacrifice, firstborn. So I used to think that, like, like that the Israelites or, or his people were meeting God where he was at. No, he was meeting us where we were at. He was coming into our darkness to find us, to shine light where we were. Abraham was used to that. I used to think, oh man, Abraham, he, he made a... No, that was, that was what they did. That, was, I, that wasn't anything different to the Mesopotamians. That's exactly what they did with their firstborn. That was very common. And so Abraham is in this area, in this darkness, uh, since the fall. And God, in his mercy, in his grace, he meets Abraham right where he's at. Take your son. We're going to do a sacrifice. Oh, sure, that's what we do, right? That's a, it must not be the same Mesopotamian gods that I knew from before. Well, I, I'm familiar with that. And right before he's about to do it, there's a ram over in the bushes where we were hiding from our sins. I provide the sacrifice. Mount Moriah, I will provide. So he's taking Abraham, and he's starting to paint a different picture of who God really is, right? And, and, and you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing uh, when you— Again, with the law, when the law is given to, uh, to Moses, the Israelites didn't want God to be close to them. They said, don't, don't let that God talk to us. 
you talk to us. You put law in between us. Right? Because that's what law does. It creates a distance. And people who are still running from God, it's much easier to think that he's way off than he's actually, uh, Paul says he's not far from any one of us. He says that to pagans in Mars Hill, actually. In him we live and move and have our being, even as your own poets say, we are his offspring. But to imagine God at a distance is, is, is what basically they did, you know? And so they wanted a law in between them and God. So again, he's just, just the law was given, so he was providing these, uh, a way for people to even have relationship with him in their darkness. But the word was on its way. The word was on its way to becoming flesh. Emmanuel, right? So, we, we get to the incarnation. This is just my, my, my absolute, what I've, I'm seeing so differently now, and it's so glorious. You know, how many messages have you ever heard about Jesus as the creator? Very little. I mean, sometimes we give lip service to these things, but Jesus is the creator. It says to, in uh, Colossians, that uh, by him and through him all things were made, and actually he sustains everything. You know the very people that were nailing him to that cross were breathing Christological air? He was sustaining them about to crucify him. Did you ever, man, it's just amazing. I mean, we, we've underestimated God. We were, we've underestimated the Trinity. We've underestimated the finished work. And so anyways, this is what they try to, when, as Jesus as the creator, who always was from the beginning, the, the gospels really are trying to paint a picture of Jesus again as creator in the flesh now. The creator entering his creation is about to create, to recreate within this time, within his own creation. Okay? How does it show that? Well, let's see. John says, in the beginning was the word. Uh, well, now we have uh, in the beginning is being born again. Or it says in the beginning, God created the heavens and earth. Now we have in the beginning was the word. And he's showing up now into his creation in the beginning. Uh, Mary, uh, well, the, the, like just as the Holy Spirit uh, kind of was brewing over the chaos, the Holy Spirit is going to overshadow you. And then let there be light, God says in Genesis 1. Mary, let it be according to your word. So here's the creator. Now he's inside his creation. How does he heal people? Well, he does stuff. He puts the clay that man was made from and recreates their eyes. He breathes on them like God breathed life into Adam. So the Gospels really try to paint a picture that Jesus is creating. He's recreating from within. Okay, so we go to this term atonement. Uh, you know, and I've been really been studying this term atonement and what it actually means. And it's more akin to not just a blood sacrifice at the last minute that on the cross. And now we're, we have peace with God, which is, it, don't get me wrong. If that's what all it was, that would be pretty awesome. But it's far better than that. Atonement, you got to think of it more as at one minute. What is God doing within his creation to try to he- heal that alienation from the human mind after the fall. How can we get back into unity, into oneness? Look at we could never climb back into that trinity with a fallen mind. Je- Jesus had to become flesh and come into his creation to bind himself to it. 
He crossed the bridge to get to us. We don't cross a bridge to get to him. That's the gospel. And so we have this uh, Jesus now within his creation. So if we can go, Zach, uh, to Leviticus. Uh, I would look at a couple scriptures of Leviticus. Hey, you. Uh, 1610, 20, and then we'll start there first, 1610. So just to paint a picture, sometimes God has to use so many things, again, to get us uh, pictures in our mind in the Old Testament of what he's trying to do. Sometimes he's so multifaceted, his sacrifice is so multifaceted, he's got to use burnt offerings and sin offerings and all of these things, right? So I don't know all the specifics of it leading up to this, but I know there's multiple sacrifices that are taking place. And there's one where an animal has all of the sin put on the animal and the animal is slain, right? And that's the one we're most familiar with. So that when Jesus got to the cross, again, it's that quick blood thing, that transaction. He died. He shed his blood. Now God can, can stomach to look at us. So again, I, I, you know, that's what I used to think. That that's the only thing that I have standing in between me and God is this blood sacrifice. So it says, but the goat on which... The, so this is another goat besides the one that was slain. But the goat on which the lot fell to be the scapegoat shall be presented alive before the Lord, alive before the Lord, to make atonement upon it, and let it go as the scapegoat into the wilderness. Okay, let's look at 21 and 22, same chapter. Aaron shall lay both his hands on the head of the live goat, confess over it all of the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions concerning all their sins, putting them on the head of the goat and shall send it away into the wilderness by the hand of a suitable man. The goat shall bear on itself all their iniquities to an uninhabited land, and he shall release the goat into the wilderness. Where do we hear about the wilderness? Jesus being led by the, into the wilderness. He's dealing with sin. His whole life is atonement. His whole life is redeeming event. He's recreating humanity by his incarnation, by virtue of the, his obedience. He's recreating us. How does, look at, he stepped into a fallen, a fallen body, yet without sin. It says he became sin for us. In all ways, he was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus is, that's, he's born by Mary. He's fully God. He's fully man as well. And he's going to start beating this thing back step by step by step. This is what's something that's developed a, a, a doctrine or a teaching that developed in the Old Testament, vicariousness. It's, it's the word uh, that a lot of theologians use. If you look at all, all of us, why do we, if we go all the way back, why do we sin? Or why did we, why did we, uh, why do we die or sickness? How did that happen? How many people? One, Adam, the one for the many. All, because one man's a disobedience, the many were made sinners. One man. So by one man's obedience, the many were made righteous. The one for the many. Okay, remnants were not chosen in, ex or even Israel was not chosen in exclusion to everyone else. They were chosen as a light to the Gentiles. Right? A great, a great light has sh shown. You know, and so we start seeing this one for the many, and that's what remnants were all about. But eventually in the Old Testament, you know, everybody failed. Everybody fell short. There's none righteous, no, not one, it says, 
right, in the Old Testament. It says, uh, or in, in the book of Romans, it says that he was turning all over to disobedience so he could have mercy on all. So even Israel ended up falling short. Actually, they fell flat on their face because the closer Jesus, like they didn't know they were so alienated from God. They didn't even understand that. They thought that they were fulfilling the law, right? You see this with the Pharisees. They thought they were fine. Jesus said, look at those scriptures. They don't, they don't save you. They, they point to me. And so they're, they're, they think that they're okay, but literally God is right in front of their face and they kill him. But that would, it, his own disciples that were actually like walking with him, they reject him. So again, God's do, he's doing this work, this vicarious life that he's actually recreating hum, the human nature, the fallen nature. He's recreating it in his very obedience. Does that make sense? He start, like if you think about it, when he was baptized into the River Jordan, why is he baptized into repentance? He, did, he never sinned. He's identifying with fallen humanity. And he's, and he's baptizing. He's, he's entering into a ba- the battle with us with sin. And he's, and he's defeating it step by step by step by step. And so he's, he goes into the wilderness. And what does the, uh, the enemy immediately try to do is separate him from his identity. He, he, first off, he dropped beloved. God said right before, you are my beloved son in whom I, w- I am well pleased. Just by the way, it says in Corinthians, while I'm thinking about it, we've been made accepted in the beloved. That same declaration is for all of us. The gospel is about Jesus. Jesus is all about us. So you start, need to start looking in the gospels as in a mirror to what happened to you. And the more you start seeing that, it starts manifesting in your life. Because again, I, I was shared this a couple, last time I shared. The weird thing about what our society teaches is you need to look within, deep within. And then when we look there and we see all contradiction. Man, I was jealous. I mean, uh, I was uh, angry the other day. I lost my temper with my kids. I'm uh, sin conscious, sin cautious. The Bible says, but as we behold him as in a mirror, we become transformed. And so we look outwardly at him and we see ourselves that he's actually inside of us. It's kind of a weird thing, but that's the way the kingdom works. You know, it's, it's, it's totally upside down. It's totally left-handed compared to what we've always thought it was. Uh, but so anyways, so uh, it's, you are my beloved son and who am I am well pleased. And he goes into the wilderness. If you be the son of God, he dropped beloved right away. If you're, if you're the son of God, act separate from him. Again, trying to separate, separate that, that union. Remember, Jesus says, I only do what the father does. I only say what the father says. Well, let me try to, even, even though I'm going to, you might make these things bread. Who cares? It's not a big deal. Jesus could have done it. Act out from, in separation from your father. He's trying to pull that, that Jesus is living and trying to bind the, the Trinity. He's, he's, the full Godhead was in him. And he's trying to bind that to our, to our humanity. And Satan's trying to separate that right from the beginning. But he says, okay, once he defeats that battle and wins that battle, we're going to talk again uh, at, at another season. Satan's going to come back and test him when he's really weak. And at a time that it's more opportune for Satan to try to, you know, win this thing or whatever. So we look at the whole, you got to look at Jesus' entire life as redeeming event. 
slowly, slowly through every act of obedience, through every victory over sin at one minute. Binding us in union, okay, closer to God. And that's what he's doing his entire life. So, all right, I'm going to go here. So, anyways, I think that we, 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 we see this happening. And I think for me, I heard a story. There was this, uh, uh, this uh, World War II doctor. And, you know, the, the, you, I get these images in my head of, like, these crazy, like, you know, like uh, Saving Private Ryan, just all of the chaos. And, you know, the, the doctors are running around and they're giving it medical aid. To, uh, to people, and so this, this, you know, a lot of them are priests as well, you know, and they, they do the last rites and all that stuff, and this doctor was, was asked this question by a, uh, a person that was about to die, and I think it's profound. It's very profound, because I think, I know for me, it always lingered in the back of my head. He said, is God really like Jesus? You know, is there another God besides the face of Jesus? Because we've been taught this angry God who's upset with us when we make mistakes. And, the, you know, we've been taught this other, whole other God that Jesus had to save him, save us from. We put him on that cross. It says in the gospel, he will be, the Son of Man will be crucified by sinful man. It says it like at least five times that man put him on the cross. It was our wrath that put him on the cross. So, we, so I, I think when you look at this, before I move on here, I just want to mention this. If you can picture Jesus, I, I, I wanted to say this because I think it's very important. Jesus doesn't heal as the doctor. He heals as the patient. When he healed people, he groaned because he was bearing their sickness. At, at one minute, Emmanuel, God with us, he's taking all of that, all of that sickness and all of that sin and he's absorbing it into uncreated light in his deity. So he actually comes to heal as us. He came, uh, Chris Valentin said this. He came as humanity. We got to get that. He didn't come to do something for humanity only. Again, that would be pretty awesome. But that doesn't empower us. He came as humanity. Okay? We've been crucified with Christ. One nail, two hands. Actually, a lot of hands. But... We were crucified with Christ. You think that we just, all of a sudden we just jump into him on the cross? No, he, uh, he came as humanity. How does he do that? He's the creator, which eternal life has always been sustained in him. You get that? When the, when the creator comes, all eternal life has always been in him. Before you were in your mother's womb, I knew you. You were chosen in me before the foundations of the earth. We have to see ourselves born from above. Paul said, when it pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb to reveal his Son in me. He separated me from that natural lineage that I held so much stock in. Circumcised the eighth day of Benjamin, a, a, a Pharisee of the Pharisee, an Israelite, a Hebrew. All that was, no, that's not my origin. He separated me from that to reveal his Son in me. And Paul realized in that moment that I have an origin that goes far beyond my human stock. So when Jesus comes as the creator, he comes as humanity. The vicarious man, the one for the many. You re remember uh, Levi, before he was ever born, he paid tithes in Abraham. 
Get that? It's showing these examples of this. Abraham, when he returned from the slaughter of the kings to pay tithes to Melchizedek, and, you know, and later on in the author of the Hebrews is trying to compare the uh, Levitical priesthood compared to Jesus' priesthood, which is far superior. He says that Levi, before he was ever even here, I don't know how long it was, I think 400 years or so at least, but Levi paid tithes in Abraham. He did something in Abraham. That's the one for the many. And that's what Jesus is doing in his life for us, as us, in us. It's just, it's just, it's, it's, I just love it. I mean, I mean, this is who we are. This is what we have to see in the face of Jesus and start to realize that that's who we are. We're new creations. We were born anew by the resurrection from the dead. Out the virgin womb, out the dust of the uh, virgin tomb. New creation. So, I think where we sometimes can get mixed up, at least I'll, I'll, I'll speak for myself, we have this, this time where Jesus really needs God most. You know, when he really needs God most, and, and it appears that the Trinity is falling apart, and that they're abandoning Jesus on the cross because they can't look at him because he's bearing our sins, so they have to turn away. And Jesus says a really, really interesting statement, a really painful statement. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And we, and, and we, we hear this in Psalm 22, and we're going to go through a little bit of Psalm 22. Are you guys familiar with that one? Which is almost identical to the crucifixion. We're going to go through a little bit of it, or half of it. But he yells out this cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And so I know, I know uh, where I was from back home, I was always taught that, again, you know, J- Jesus is bearing God's wrath. And in that moment, he's got to look away. He can't look at his sin. Don't see it like that anymore. And I'm gonna, we're going to go through why. You know, Jesus said to his disciples, I and the Father are one. He said, all you are going to leave me, but I'm not going to be alone because my Father's going to be with me. Right? So... Again, if, if we believe that, what Jesus said, and that I only say what the Father has said, why is he making this cry, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why is he doing this? So if you can, if I can just give an example of how this might work, if you can imagine all the people around at the crucifixion. He's, he's, he's taking this rabbit trail from Adam all the way back to the garden to undo what happened in the garden at the scene on the cross is what he's doing. So think about this. I'm going to sing. This is going to be really bad. I promise you. But just bear with me. Okay. Amazing grace. All right. All right. That's good. Think about that. So this is Messianic high times. This is, this is a, uh, uh, a psalm of deliverance. This is, I mean, they, they're, they're been occupied by Rome for how many hundreds of years? And they're, and they're, they're bar Jesus's false prophets are bouncing up all over the place. They had the Maccabean revolts. They want to get rid of this Roman empire. And they're, they're, there's all of these, the, 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 the time is ripe. They're looking for their Messiah. So think about that. Jesus says this, my God, my, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And so now all of a sudden, the whole psalm that they had memorized starts going through their head. So if we can go to 16. Oh, sorry, yeah, Psalm 22, 16. You made me trust, or wait, okay, okay. Yeah, we, one more, okay. For dogs have surrounded me. It's going around in the people's head as they're watching this, literally. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. They look and stare at me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing, they cast lots. So again, they're watching this all unfold before their eyes with this song playing in their head. Okay? So, now what is Jesus doing? He's stepping into our blindness, into what Adam experienced, that alienation from God, that separation because of sin. He's entering into that, bearing it for us so that we never have to feel like this again, so that we never have to feel alone or without him. He became the patient so that we could see. If we go a little bit further, but you, O Lord, be not far from me. Hasten to help me. Deliver me from the sword, my precious life, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth and from the horns of the wild oxen. You have answered me. I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, we can continue. Praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, glorify him and fear him. All you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, nor has he hidden his face from him. But when he cried to him, he heard. He's healing this alienation that we had in our minds. He's bringing this all back. And if we go to the last verse from the Passion Translation, how does he fi- finish this? Uh, the crucifixion. His generation yet to be born will glorify, glorify him, and they will all declare it is finished. So Jesus is going all the way back to the garden, all the way back to undo Adam. What were they? Think about now where the accusation is coming from. If you be the son of God, heal yourself. Get off that cross. The do-it-yourself, the I am not. If you be the son of God, I am not, tree. Do it yourself. Get off the cross and show us. And it's, he's going all the way back unto where we faced alienation in our own minds. And so now I'm starting to see what is going on here in this action. The, the, God's not venting his wrath on the son and putting his wrath that was for us on his son. His wrath was against sin because that makes us false. Hamartia, Hameros, without form. You forgot the rock that you were cut from. And, and, and it, it makes us less human. I said, oh, no, they did that. They, they did this awful thing because they're just human. No, we've fallen from our humanity. We, you know, we've fallen from this. And so, and so we see Jesus healing this. Remember, we have the mind of Christ. We should enjoy it more. It's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome living in light without condemnation. And I'm not saying that, that I see contradictions sometimes in stuff that I do. Because I, I, I do. Sometimes, but I, I, it's so much different the way I go through these things. I lose my temper. You know, I go to the high place with God. You know, that's not really who you are. Met, metanoia, metanos, to know, to co-know with him. To, uh, to confess with your mouth. Homo logeos, to say the same thing as God. What does he say about us? 
what is his declarative word. He has spoken to us in these last days through his son. Jesus is the message. He is the logic of God for us. We're in him as he is, so are we in this world. That's what we have to behold. So I think what we, uh, so we see that happen on the cross. And what immediately happens, the earth responds again with an earthquake. So now the, God was in Christ reconciling the cosmos to himself. So something's, again, this, this recreation, it, it's the apex of it. Something happens here, and the earth responds again with an earthquake. And this time, what pops up? Uh, what does the earth yield this time, like it used to do in the garden with the river Pashan, gold, resurrected saints, life? And so now, again, and, and then it starts, it goes even further with, the, like, the same thing. I mean, we see the curse of Babel at uh, uh, Pentecost, in all the different languages saying the same thing about God. And the, that curse is reversed. And instead of 2,000 people dying on the Mount Sinai when the law is given, 2,000 people are saved. Whole new creation, whole new world. <laughs> Guys, this is, there's so, the, the gospel is so good. The gospel is so good, but it, it's got to be drinking straight. It's, it's straight grace. It, it, it really is, but the thing about grace is it empowers you. It empowers you to walk this stuff out. Faith comes by hearing, and that by the word of Christ. When you preach the gospel, when you hear the gospel, it doesn't say, you better believe this or else it's not going to happen. It's a, it provides you with the faith because it is finished. And you start giving your mind something to hang on to. And the righteousness of God is revealed from faith, his faith about us. The just shall live by his faithfulness to faith. And we, we see, we, we, Paul lived by this concept. He says, I, I, I've been crucified with Christ, and I lo, no longer live. I live by the faith of the Son of God, the faithfulness of the Son of God. You know, the incarnation is still a very real thing. Jesus ascended. He didn't disappear. He ascended. Just as Leviticus, just as the uh, priest used to ascend behind in a cloud of smoke behind the veil. Jesus ascends into a clo- until he's taken up into the clouds. Still functioning as your high priest. Still believing on your behalf. Still sanctifying your prayer. Pray our Father. And I'll, and I'll put my faith, my prayer on your mouth. Because that's the one that prays the will of God. You know when it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us? The, 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 there's, a tra- there's a specific word that's translated. I, I can't remember what it is. To hit a target. To hit the target. The Holy Spirit hits the target every time. And, it, and, and we get to participate with God. With what Jesus did and is still doing. We get to participate in that. So when you have like some of these feelings and stuff uh, about, like, don't be so self, self-focused. Be, uh, that, that's what it means to do stuff in his name. It's not just a little formula that you make sure you say at the end of a prayer, and then boom, it just has magical power to make something happen. When you pray in his name, you're praying by what he did in his faith with his relationship in God. We're anchored in that. We've been invited back into that, and, we, and the, the truth is that they were, that was all in our mind all along. And so now, 
he mends that, and we get to participate in Jesus' perfect relationship with the Father. I, I think I shared this story again, but I, I love it. It's, it's like my favorite story. Uh, and I heard it before, so I can't take credit for it, but it happened to me, so I'm going to say it did. Uh, I, was, I was basically, uh, uh, we, we watch a boy, uh, that our, our next-door neighbor. He comes home after school. My wife watches him for a couple hours before his parents get out of work. And so uh, this started, we, we just moved out to Goochland. This just started uh, this fall. And so when I used to come in after school, you know, the, the, the little boy would kind of run away, you know, or he'd be really sheepish. He wouldn't talk to me. I'd ask him how he's doing. Nothing. You know, walk, run away, run into the other room. So this happened for, I don't know, a couple of weeks. And then uh, one day I'm sitting there and I decide because I'm just really tired, I just lay on the floor. And my youngest boy, Ezra, my son, my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased, he comes over and he jumps on top of me. And his friend that we're watching that couldn't look at me, talk to me, he runs right over and he jumps on top of me too. And he starts participating in my relationship with my son. And he, he gets the fruit of that and participates in it. That's what we have in Jesus. We, we often know, did you know that when Jesus fulfilled the righteous requirements of the law, in Hebrews it said he fulfilled the ordinances of worship? Two different things. So the passion, uh, the perfect love for God, uh, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, and mind. Jesus did all that. He fulfilled all that. We get to participate in that with him. It's not on us. He, God never thought that we were going to fulfill that. He never p- planned on us doing the covenant. So he sent Jesus as a covenant, as the covenant. Big difference. He didn't send Jesus to make a covenant with us. He sent Jesus as the covenant because we have the God to human movement. And then we have the human to God movement, all in the incarnation. That's all. There's a lot of glory on that. It's, he, 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 he's the electing God and the elected man in one person. In Christ, 130-something times it says it in the Bible. In Christ. Be chosen in him. Uh, found in him. Not having my own righteousness. It says it 130 times. We're in him. We get to, we get to participate in what he's always done and what, and what he's still doing. I used to put, like, especially... Just the nature of, uh, of who I am. I used to ha- put so much pressure on myself all the time. To h- how do I fulfill this before God? How do I live before God? You know, I just don't feel passionate enough. I see these other people who are worshiping. I just, I just wish I had that. I don't have that. More, more law, more law, more I, I am not. You know? And then, and then you just get to, I just can't do it. I, I don't want to be here anymore. I don't care. I'm done. No, but the more we, we, we look at our, our brother as in a mirror, we start to see that he recreated us. And he did it for us, with us, as us. And that's who we really are in the deepest levels of our being. That's who we are. It's not just saying this terminology, uh, as he is, so are we in this world. But we're really not. We have the mind of Christ, but we really don't. We're sanctified, but we really still got to get sanctified. We have the full Godhead, the full Trinity living inside of us, but we still need more of God. You can't, you can't grow in this stuff. You can only grow in your awareness of it. 
And out of your bellies shall flow rivers of living water. It's an outpouring. It's an outpouring. We're the revival inside of us. God's just, oh, I, I, Jesus said, I have a baptism with. And I'm, I'm so confined until it's done. And this oh, spirit shed forth on all flesh. That's where the revival is going to come from. It comes from within. The kingdom is within you. That's what Jesus said. Now, this other, this like uh, the force. You know, a Star Wars movie is going to come out, and I'm probably going to watch it, but definitely going to watch it. But it's not like just mystical. No, he's a person. He comes in person. We don't need more of him. We need to realize how much more we have of him. You know, we need to just wake up to these things. This is metanoia. This is, this is repentance can be a lot of fun. It actually can be fun. You know, wow. I mean, all, all of this stuff. We don't even have good translations for a lot of these words in English. I actually, repentance is Latin. I don't, I don't even know if I want to go there, what that means in Latin. Repentance, paying. Penance was paying and adding a re to get more and more mileage out of it, like a hamster wheel. Repentance. So it became... Uh, human focused, humanistically focused. And that's what we've done. Same thing with the sacraments. Get the blood, analyze yourself, uh, get the baptism. It's your decision, which is true, but your response is only a response to his response because there's one faith, one baptism, his, that's all that matters. And when we hear that, that he did that as us, that we were all baptized in the river Jordan, that we were all circumcised just with him. That's why there's no need of all of these things. Because he, he did it in us. And, we, and then this, this, this response just comes. And it's, but it's only a response to his response. So these sacraments that we're supposed to take our eyes off of ourselves, you know, it's just, it's just the way it, it kind of has become, especially in the West, with the Enlightenment, you know? The Enlightenment and uh, the Greco-Roman, so, uh, Socrates, Plato, all of these Greek philosophy, philosophy that seeped into our way of thinking that made us do this, like, compartmentalize everything, and everything is separate. The, the spiritual is here. The natural is here. The heaven is here. Earth is here. This is, the, this is here. That is here, you know? Je- Jesus bound all that together. It's all, it's all here, you know? It's all, it's all bound together. He holds everything together in, simply by being that's who he is, he, he, you know, Emmanuel. But we just got into these ways of thinking that, uh, you know, I, I, I just think it's, that there's a reason the Bible is written in Hebrew and Greek. Greek is awesome. I have a really analytical mind. Okay, it w- can very easily work against me. It did for the majority of my life. But it was written in Hebrew too, because there's a lot of mystery there in, in, in you know, to you know, Jesus is, it defines Jesus as the mystery. You know, and he's in, we, we don't know all mysteries, but guess what? We have fellowship with the mystery. We're bound with him. We're bound with a mystery. So stop trying to figure it all out and just be and just receive. And Jesus start, will start revealing himself to you. What, what happens when we try to follow uh, this person's path or this step to do it? It, it blocks all that out. And, it, and we kind of are resisting grace because we're trying to climb up again, babble how to get to God, instead of just being in fellowship with the mystery and allowing him to disclose himself. God's not found. He's revealed. But be of good pleasure, my, good, uh, my children. 
I, he wants to give you his kingdom. He wants to reveal himself. And we just got to uh, just allow him to do that. We're human beings. To just be. Be holy, for I am holy. It's a benediction. As he is, so are we in this world. Be holy, for I am holy. So you're holy. Be it. Be a good, uh, awake to righteousness and sin not. Be reconciled. Not become reconciled. Be reconciled. You know, it's just realizing that all of this stuff is done in him. Finished. Uh, past tense. Now it's just saying to act like it. You know, it's not saying act like it and then you become reconciled. The Bible actually never says once that God needed to be reconciled to us. Not once. Always says that we need to be reconciled to him. Because we were the ones alienated in our own minds, running from God, hiding in the bushes. So, to just wrap everything up, guys. We're in that Trinity dance. Right in the middle of it. Right in the ma- Because of Jesus, we couldn't, in our alienation, climb back into the Trinity with the way we were thinking. So Jesus came, and he nailed everything of that old creation to the cross, and he raised it up in union again with the Trinity. We're right smack dab in the middle of it again. And in that perichoretic dance, that other giving love. And you only, the, the weird thing again, again, you only will find freedom in that dance. Because that's who you really are. You know, that's that in the deepest levels of your being, that's who you really are. And you ultimately, it seems weird. Like I used to think about it too, because, you know, I lived kind of a, a, a crazy life before, but it was like, it was kind of like, uh, how am I trying to say this? Like, I don't know. Totally forgot what I was going to say. Uh, I don't know. I really don't. I, I, t- I lost my train of thought. What was I talking about? Oh, oh you were paying attention. Thanks. <laughs> What's that? Yeah. What was it before that? Okay. Yo, thanks, Danielle. <laughs> What's that? Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, I used to think, like, man, all these people, because I, I had best friends that were in Pentecostal churches, and I'm like, man, what, 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 that's, in, that's bondage. How can you ever be yourself if you, if you, you live with a belief system uh, that all of these other people do? How can you actually be an individual? But there's such distinction in unity. We were created for that. That is the trinity, unity with distinction. One God, three persons. That's where we really find who we really are. And you find a freedom that you never ha- had before. And you're living in the light. And everything that you do is raw in God. And you can just, you know, when uh, it says uh, in Second John, First uh, uh, John, Second chapter, my beloved children, I write these things that you don't sin. But if we do sin, fall on your face and, you know, beat yourself up. No, it doesn't say that. If we do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. Jesus Christ, the righteous. Because the quickest repentance is that, oh, I just wrought that in my union with God. That's not really you. And you immediately, uh, you, you just start walking out the, that, those realities. So what I would love to do is just with a little bit of music, uh, Caleb, I appreciate it. We're just really going to, again, faith comes by hearing. And faith comes before the manifestation. Experiences are great, and we're going to try to foster in some. We're going to try to encounter. 
and, and it, but it always comes, faith always comes before the manifestation. Uh, and if, to just encourage you, because I, I know I was always like this, that sometimes, you know, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't feel anything or anything like that. That actually happens to me a lot. But I went from living for experiences to living a lifetime of, of experience. And to realize that everything is sacred. Every interaction, every moment you have with a brother, a sister, every moment you share with somebody in their hurt, every moment you play with your kids, every moment you're in nature, God's everywhere. This whole earth, he's, he's everywhere. He's, he fills all in all. Jesus said he filled in Colossians that he filled all in all. Everything is burning with the fire of God and the glory of God. He gave us his glory, he said. He said, I've given you my, my glory. A couple scriptures later, Father, reveal to them the glory or, or, or let them behold my glory. I've already given it. Let them behold it. So what I'd like to do is just, if, if anybody wants to come up, if not, I'll just do it myself. But if anybody wants to come up and just encounter, encounter this, this perichoresis, this love that we have within the Trinity, you're surrounded by it, whether you know it or not. You're, you're complete, it's, it's, it's within you. It's all through you. Even if you feel that God's separated from you, I assure you that's not the truth. God's not aloof. He's not up somewhere else. He's, he's in you. And the more you hear that and the more you, you believe that, all of a sudden, stuff starts happening. Steward the goosebump. You know, even if it starts there, steward that. You know? Sometimes, I, again, I'm, I, I look at, I, I'm, I'm not, I, I, I want to have, like, I want to experience that, like, think really big because God's going to do anything that you could ever ask or think. So think really big. And God's going to do more. But I'm like, I personally, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for a lot of that stuff because I want to experience it too. But I have it. I can't explain it. Even if I don't feel it, I already have it. I already have it. You know, fi- financial tr- problems maybe. Sometimes just something like a repentance, it just transfers in your mind that you have it even when you don't see it yet you just have it and you live full and you live complete in 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 who you are as in your identity so i'm just going to invite people up if you want to just uh uh if if you know you want prayer or anything but we're just going to try to uh encounter uh, yeah to see to try to see the perichoresis to see the dance of the Trinity, to see that other giving love pouring in and out of us. Praise you, Jesus. God, you're so good. God, we were made for that other giving love. We were in the heartbeat of God before he ever created. He was never taken back by Adam, and he certainly wasn't taken back by us, and he still is not taken back when we make make mistakes. He did this quite without you, actually, on that cross, in case you didn't know. That was all in the future anyways. So while we are dead and doomed in our sins, he united us to his life. So Lord, we just, we just thank you that you are surrounding us right now, that we are cross, face to face with the Trinity 
face to face with Jesus and the Godhead, uh, God, the Holy Spirit, just pouring in and out of us, that the word, the logic of God, the logos was made flesh and it's all throughout the inside of us. He said that he would write the law on your heart. Well, again, that doesn't happen transactionally, guys. It happened through his life of obedience. He forged that into our humanity. And God, we just uh, ask, Holy Spirit, that uh, you would just make this tangible, Lord. This is the truth. Holy Spirit, that you're the, the, the love bond between us, between our humanity, between God, the Father, and, uh, and uh, the Son, Jesus, that you're the love bond, Holy Spirit, that you're just hovering over and within us right now, Lord. We just pray for encounter, that we would behold this, even though we already have it, that there would be a beholding. Jesus. Elohim. Yahweh. God, we were made for pleasure. Eden is pleasure, voluptuous living. We were made for this, Lord. And now we have Eden incarnate. The joy of the Lord is our strength, the Lord that's living inside us. Eden incarnate, the garden is within us. Lord, Holy Spirit, we pray that you attend our garden, that you attend the garden within us, this voluptuous, other-giving, perichoretic family that we have. God, you could have, you could have, some of the most magnificent oceans and mountains and natural things of this world, some of even things that humans have built that are just so amazing, Lord, you chose to tabernacle in humanity. You made us your tabernacle. We are the tent of skin, the tent that was in the wilderness where God and man met. And we have that meeting place right within us, Lord. your ruach, your spirit, your breath. Breathing in us, Lord, we're sustained by you to the deepest levels, even deeper than a cellular level, Lord. You sustain us. That alone, God, that alone, guys, just breathing every breath that we do, it's sustained by Christ. Christ. 